This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. But doing the Smart Investing Show here on San Diego. Gosh, uh, actually going on probably, probably about 28 years now. Now, if you have investment questions or you want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 866 577 2473. That's again, 866 577 2473. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Chase, good morning. Good morning. M my microphone sounds a little bit strange. Did I sound okay to you? No, it sounds fine. I sound, sound good in there? Okay, yeah, it just sounds different to me. Like I'm I'm in a tunnel or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, a, maybe a long night last night because we're, we're, we're moving, so we got a lot going on, so I'm kind of tired this morning. So uh -huh. you, might, you might have to carry the show. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll be here. <laughs> well, before we uh, take our calls, and as always, we take the calls probably about uh, 15, 20 minutes after we start here. Uh, but I do want to talk about a lot of things happening this week, some crazy stuff. We continue to warn people about the craziness because this is when investors get so excited, like, oh, this is great. I'm making all this money and so forth. And I heard something on CNBC the other day just drove me crazy. They were saying the same thing I heard back in the tech boom where the guy goes, and he was, he was a commentator, <clears throat> and he goes, why would you buy anything but tech? Like, oh my gosh. And he's too young to remember the tech boom and bust, but he, he was saying, just buy technology stocks because that's what's, that's what's working. And, and, and the thing I just don't understand is, you're so right, because if technology stocks falter, well, your whole portfolio is screwed. I mean, we saw the exact same thing. I mean, people lost 70, 80, 90% of their portfolios during the tech bust. Yeah. I don't want to go through that. No. And I, I, it just baffles me that, that people believe this, because history has repeated itself so many different times. You know, you saw the Nifty 50 where you, you would buy these stocks, and it was supposed to be, oh, yeah, it's just one-time purchase, buy and hold forever. Wow, that didn't work out very well. Now did it? Now same thing with the tech boom and bust. Just buy technology.com. It's the future. It's gonna work. Ooh, yikes! Yep. That didn't work out. And as you said, it's it's the same thing, and it's just irritating to see because people, and you almost feel bad because people in five years, if things falter, who knows? It might be five, six, seven, eight years. Don't know the exact time it's gonna happen. But if tech does crash, it will. Things do come back to the norm your portfolio could destroy your retirement. And they do say investors have the shortest memory. And also too, I mean, you know, think about this because a tech boom bust was about 20 years ago. So now when you're 20 years old, you don't really have much to invest. So you may have started invested 25 or 35. Well, those people are now 45, 50 years old. But if you're below 45 years old, you may not experience tech you know, bust. You, you may have just been investing and you really didn't really know what's happening. So a lot of people have not even experienced this yet, and that's why they don't understand what could happen. And the, and the experience, I think, is so important, too, because you can read about it, but to actually go through it, to actually yeah. watch your portfolio day in and day out just drop off a cliff, that is going to really change how you feel about investing 
that particular way. Yep. And you can feel great and your portfolio can climb and climb and climb. And, oh, I'm so smart. I'm so smart. And then all of a sudden when it starts to falter, you start to lose that confidence and you have no idea what's going on. It's a, a scary spot to be in for people. And we have talked to you about how there's a lot of people that are at home making good money on unemployment and have nothing to do and they've turned to day trading. And that's really causing some volatility in the market. One that, go ahead. I, sorry, before we got started on this, I did want to reference another thing that sure. commentator said that just <laughs> drove me crazy. He said, talking about the market valuation. When you look at the market valuation over the, the course of time, yeah. earnings normally traded about, uh, I'll say about 15 to 18 times earnings, sure. somewhere in there. And it's, oh, well, it should just be 30 now. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, just because that is a dangerous path to go down. <laughs> yeah, yep. because it's higher. It should be higher. And, and that's, a, and again, history has been, I used to say 14, 17, 15, 18. Uh, speaking of the craziness, uh, actually Kodak, Eastman Kodak, uh, was the craziest stock in the market this past week. And uh, after the company received a $765 million loan to produce pharmaceutical components, the stock climbed as much as, what, 200% on Tuesday and then another 318% the day after. I mean, it was just crazy. And at one point, the stock approached $60 a share. And prior to that, I was trading at, what, like $250 a share about a week earlier? I mean, the 52-week low was a dollar <laughs> <laughs> and fifty. And the, the sad thing is, on that day, on a Wednesday, you could have bought, let's say, at 60 and somebody, oh, it's going to go up to 80. And if you bought it at 60 and held it through the end of the day, it, clo- uh, it closed at $33.20. You would have had a near 50% loss in just one single day. <laughs> and then yesterday, it closed down another 27% at 2185 So whoever bought it, somebody bought it at $60 a share. Ooh, you could be sitting on a big, big loss if you're still <laughs> holding it. And, and the reason we, we think that it is just absolutely crazy is, I mean, we talked about the, the stock price of $1.50. And, and if you look at what the market cap was before all this craziness started, the market cap was about $100 million for the company. And we use market cap just to kind of give you a gauge of, of the worth of that company. Market cap, what that looks at is the stock price multiplied by the shares outstanding. Well, during this craziness... Gosh, the market cap at one point exceeded $2 billion. So just a huge increase in the market capitalization of the company. Makes absolutely no sense that that company is worth $2 billion. Just absolutely insane. Yeah. And and, and, and this is just another example of how crazy things can get. And if people don't learn from the history. Uh, and again, one thing great about being old is you become wiser. I mean, I, I, I'm, I've been doing investing now for... 40 years. I've been in the finance world for 40 years. And I've seen a lot. I've heard a lot. And it's so funny because people say, well, you just don't get it. You know, you don't understand it because this is a new thing. This is about, you know, uh, FANG. This is about, uh, uh, you know, valuations don't matter anymore. The just cloud. Like, the cloud. Yeah. All, all this other stuff. And it's just like, it does matter because can you imagine, I mean, you went to, to school a few years ago for finance. Can you imagine them going to finance class and saying, don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about anything. Debt? Who cares about that? Who cares about that? <laughs> just if the stock goes up, just buy more of it. That, that's all you need to do from now on. And that's what's happening now with people and they don't understand it. So it's a shame. And uh, also kind of referencing Kodak, the reason I, I would just say stay away, people got all excited over this government loan. It, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, here's $2 billion, Kodak. It was a $765 million loan. Loan. <laughs> to produce, uh, I think it was uh, equipment for kind of the, the COVID situation, medical equipment and so forth, uh, or medical components, uh, ingredients, something along those lines. But the problem is, 
how are they going to make money long term off that? Right. That that's what you have to think of as a shareholder. Well, they got this loan. Now, how do they produce income from that? I don't really see over the next five years how a company that has negative earnings right now as of uh, 2019, how they produce that into a, a winning strategy in the long term. And, and also, too, I think you did mention that Kodak was back in the 1960, 85, the top 10 uh, the S&P 500 companies. Did you mention that? I have not yet. Okay, yeah, well, I want to bring that up. I thought I, thought I would just say it. I guess I'm, I'm in my head just thinking that. But, but again, here is a company that was like the Apples and the Microsofts and the Amazons of today, that's where they were back 1960 through 1985. And then what happened, they just fell out of favor. And everybody thought, oh, this is a, this is a darling and so forth. Well, that does happen. I don't care if the company is. And right now, Apple, again, it's a great business. But the valuation ratios, I'm getting a little off track here, but the valuation ratios are way out of whack for Apple, for uh, Amazon, uh, Netflix. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. And these are the... Eastman Kodaks of the 60s, 70s, and 80s is what they're actually doing. Yeah. I just want to repeat that again one more time. They were in the top 10 largest companies. And many people might be saying, who's Eastman Kodak? (laughs) (laughs) They were in the top 10 largest companies from 1960 to 1985. That's 25 years. That's a long time to be quite dominant. And it's the same thing with Apple. It, It could be, you know, another 10 years that they're in the top 10. But at some point, they might fall out of it. And you don't want to be holding that stock. Because what could have happened, you could have bought Eastman Kodak, and then all of a sudden, you, ah, I'm going to wait for it to come back, and it never comes back. And in fact, the company, a little bit after 1985, but in 2012, they actually filed bankruptcy. Right. So that's why the whole idea of buy and hold forever doesn't really work. And a lot of people that are younger think, oh, I'm just going to buy and hold Apple forever. I mean, you're talking 40, 45 years holding Apple? The world's going to look a lot different in 40, 45 years. So you have to be very, very careful. And I had friends. And I forget the years. I'm going to say it's in the 90s, maybe early 2000s. He said the exact same thing about General Electric. I'm just going to buy it and hold it forever. Well, back then, GE was around $40 a share. Well, today is what, 6 Uh Yeah, I haven't actually yeah, looked at yeah, GE I think in quite it's, a while. <laughs> it's down quite a bit. So, so again, you, you got to be careful that. These are businesses. They will eventually come down to the norm. Uh, wow, I was I, I, sorry to go sure. back to GE, but yeah, six dollars and seven cents. So yeah. that's actually even lower than than where it was after that kind of fallout, and then it bounced back. Remember, yeah. Yeah. now it's back down to to even lower levels. Cause remember, the low is kind of scary. It was six dollars and sixty six right. cents. That's why I'll never forget <laughs> what it was. But now it's back below that, which is and I think concerning. that was a, a a company that came out a firm about the accounting issues that they saw at GE that yeah. were not coming to light. Exactly. But again, accounting doesn't matter. Don't nope. worry about it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Social Security because the one thing that I am concerned about uh, is Social Security because the pandemic is going to have a major impact on Social Security. And Chase and I were thinking about this. We thought we'd share it with you. Just think about this. With so many people being laid off or furloughed at the current time, people are no longer paying into the security trust because they're not working. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand where the money comes from from Social Security. I'll, I'll tell you what. It doesn't come from the sky. Right. <laughs> what happens is it's a payroll tax. So when you're actually paying your taxes, you know, you have to pay your income taxes. Well, you have your FICA taxes, which go into Medicare and Social Security. And what happens is, too, the employee pays half and the employer pays half. So now, if you're not on payroll, the employee and the employer are not paying into the system. So you say we have, what, uh, gosh, is it 19 million people on unemployment right now, I think is the number? I, I think I, so, It's yeah. somewhere around there. Somewhere, I, yeah. I, yeah, not exactly sure, but I believe it's somewhere around 19 million. That means there are 19 million people not paying into the Social Security system. Also, by the way, taking benefits from the government. So <laughs> that's an outlay for the government, not a positive. So that's one one big concern 
that that is going to be difficult for this country to overcome in terms of replenishing that social security trust. And, and JC, the other thing that has happened to me as well is some companies are doing early retirement. I know United Airlines, they're, they're doing, I think, 3,200 pilots early retirement. So that's an issue there as well is that they retire. They're not going to be adding to the system any longer, but they will be probably taking from the system. So uh, I think the day that Social Security was supposed to have problems was, I believe, somewhere around 2035 or so. I know it's the 2030s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that could shorten now, and they have to do something with it. And and, and I, I don't like saying this because I'm, I'm getting so close to collecting Social Security, and I, I want my money back is what I kind of want. But that what they might have to do is raise the retirement age because you just cannot keep, you know, paying out, paying out, more people collecting, nobody putting in, or very few people, less people putting in. That's going to be a problem. So yeah, I I think it's 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 very concerning because as you kind of brought up with those pilots are retiring. I mean, what a thought process would be is a, a good financial plan is ah, oh, you know, I have my my pension, I have my four hundred one k from the company, I have you know my house. And then, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm 63. Yeah, I, I could start collecting on yeah. Social Security. Yeah. yeah, and then that'll definitely get me through retirement. Well, that's really bad because, as we said, there's less people paying in. And perhaps, we haven't looked at any data on this. This is just kind of a, a logical thought process we had. Well, if more people are retiring, that means more people are probably going to collect Social Security, which is concerning. Yep. Yep, and, and I did want to say, too, I, I don't think the solution to this is raising payroll taxes. I mean, companies right now are already unsure of hiring people, adding taxes for an employer, I, I think would be a, a dangerous spot for the government to place them in. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's like, as an employer, it's like, well, gosh, it's going to cost me more money. Well, maybe I won't hire somebody else. So that's not a good solution. Actually, tr- uh, President Trump wanted to cut the payroll taxes, uh, which would hopefully incentivize people to you know hire more people, but you're right to add, well, let's, let's increase it. Well, no, I'm not going to raise my cost because I'm just coming out of this situation. Uh, that w- was difficult. Yeah, and I, I'd have to agree. I think the the best option here is to increase that retirement age. And I don't think if somebody's, let's say, because I think the full retirement age is 67, let's say you're at 65. Okay, well, sorry, we're going to move that up to 68 now. <laughs> well, that's not really fair. I think you're going to have to look at a certain birth date and say anything beyond, you know, let's say you're 55. Anything under that now, it's going to be 68, 69. And the crazy thing is we've had life expectancy continue to increase Social Security should go up. The age should go up as the life expectancy increases. Well, and, and again, you're, you're so right on that because uh, Social Security was not designed to have people live for 20, 30 years. When it came out back in the 30s, uh, people to live in retirement maybe four, five, six years on average. Now you have many people living to their 80s, uh, collecting it for such a long time. Uh, obviously glad that people are living longer, but the system was not designed to last that long for that many people. And also, too, they're very liberal how they, they give it to people. I mean, you work, uh, what is it, nine quarters or something? Okay, you're in the system, you're going to start collecting. I mean, they, they should change that as well because it's just, you should have to, like, any other type of retirement plan. Yeah, if you put in your 401k for 20 years, you, you're going to do pretty well. You put in it for, for nine quarters, you don't have very much money. So <laughs> uh, that, That's uh, two years and a quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Sometimes common sense just doesn't hit the government. But um, let, let, let's move on and talk about uh, the retailers because uh, retailers, oh, my gosh, you know, oh, they're filing bankruptcy and oh, the things are terrible. Well, y- you may think that, that there was so many retailers filing bankruptcy out there uh, that the news is rather grim. Well, uh, guess what? I, I, I saw something in the Wall Street Journal I want to share because it's not as bad as you think. But before you think I've lost my marbles, I do know that, yes, Neiman Marcus, Brook Brothers, Pier 1, yes, they have filed for bankruptcy. But I do believe there are more bankruptcies to come. 
But when I looked at the numbers from Wall Street Journal, as of July 23rd, 2020, only 40 retailers have filed for bankruptcy. Now you might say, well, that's still quite a few, but not when you compare things. This is so important. This is what an analyst does, compare things. That's why I get so mad at the government with these, these case numbers and so forth. An analyst compares numbers. That's why I say 40, 40 retailers, well, that sounds like it could be high, but not when you compare the numbers to something else that's more relative. I mean, it's like the financial crisis. I mean, people are saying, oh, this is going to be the next depression and, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be terrible. Well, the financial crisis from 2007 to 2009, we had 1,176 retails file bankruptcy during that time period. And, and yeah, the peak was actually 2008 when things got so bad, uh, about 441 retailers filed bankruptcy. And, and to help you remember a few of those names, and I remember those, and I think you remember when I brought mm -hmm. it up, I think you said your mom would go shopping there. Was a linen and things? Yeah, I remember going there. It used to be over in uh, Carmel Mountain right off the uh, the freeway there. Is, uh, I think where the, the Best Buy is. I think that's what yeah. linens and things was. And I, I just remember going there as a kid. and yeah. It's kind of like Bed Bath & Beyond is the way I, I kind of remember yeah, it. You're kind of right, yeah, yeah. And the, the other big one, too, that uh, I liked that I was so excited about, they were the, the main talk about anything, Sharper Image had all the the hot gadgets and so forth, they went bankrupt. So did a big company called Bombay Furniture. They had 360 stores nationwide, they went bankrupt. So things do go, they, they do happen. Uh, we are not in a great time right now, but it's still not, uh, and I heard somebody just the other day say, oh, this is the worst it's ever been. And I go, I can't tell you, being around for 40 years, how many times I've heard, this is the worst it's ever been. I said, do you remember 9-11? I mean, I know you were, you were rather young, but for other people, if you remember 9-11, and you're old enough, and I, I'm in my 60s, um, we were very scared because that was the first time we had an attack on our country, and we were afraid to go to uh, ball st uh, stadiums because they could bomb the whole stadium. I remember seeing that. Well, they could, they could bomb the stadium and wipe out you know, uh, tens of thousands of people very easily. So we, we got through that. Uh, we got through the Great Recession. We will get through this. Um, this is not the end. Um, you know, it takes time. And when you think about this, this has only been going on four months. It's not been very long at all. I mean, Great Recession lasted about 18 months. 9-11 probably lasted for another year or so after that. So we're, we're in the, the early stages. But we, I think by next year, things look a lot different. We just have to make sure we, we get out of it in a, an efficient way. Um, yes. We can't stay shut down for another six months. That's not going to be good for the long-term health of the economy. But yeah, you're, you're so right, too. And the, the thing to understand with the, the retailers... I, I do want to be very clear. Other retailers, as you said, will likely file bankruptcy here. That's just the truth of the matter. But there's a lot of great retailers out there, like like the Best Buys, like Target, Walmart. They're, they're doing very, very well. There's other even clothing retailers, you know, like I, I think of like a Kohl's that has a very good balance sheet. They're out of the mall. I mean, there's, there's retailers that'll get through this. And the thing, too, to think about with buying a retail company is if these other retailers go out of business, there's more market share available yeah. for them to take. Yeah, yeah, because people still want to go out and shop. And and yes, I know that people shop on Amazon, but also too, people like to go and physically shop. And and, and I, I know I like doing it. I like to try stuff on. I like to touch things. I like to see things. I don't want to just, it, it never looks the same to me on, on the internet, you know, as opposed to when you actually see it in person. I know. My, my girlfriend bought something off Amazon the other day. And I was like, oh, why didn't we go to the store? You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I what, want to go do something. <laughs> what, what is, yeah, yeah, it's true, true. And it is entertainment. I mean, shopping is entertainment. I mean, because it, it's, it's something to do. I mean, are we going to sit in our homes all day long and order food from Jack in the Box and, and order from Amazon and just sit there and watch TV all day long? No, we, we are, you know, social human beings. We will be going out. <laughs> do you remember the movie WALL-E? 
I do not. <laughs> Wally was this. Uh, it's a cartoon movie. Uh, that little robot that goes around, and it's uh, there's uh, basically a futuristic movie. And what happens is that there's these people, and all they do is they sit on these movable chairs all day, and they have the TV in front of them, they have their cokes, and they just they don't even walk anymore. They're just sitting there doing nothing. And you know, if we we don't go out and do anything, we're just trapped to our homes. That the first thing that popped <laughs> in my head is like, oh gosh, <laughs> we're going down a dark road. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think I ever saw. That's <laughs> a good movie. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's open the phone lines here. Uh, you want to join the show, you got a, a stock you want to know about. Uh, we do the breakdown, of the fundamental analysis for you. We look at all the valuation ratios, the growth rates, the, the debt, uh, the future earnings for you. We really try to point in the right direction if it's a, a buy, sell, or hold. Join the show. If you have another investment question as well, uh, give us a call here at the studio, 866 577 2473. Again, that number is 866 five seven seven two four seven three and that'll get you through for your unbiased no strings attached fundamental opinion about what you would like to talk about before we do take the calls and talk more i do want to talk about the workshop coming up gosh i can't believe this is august 1st already so a couple of weeks you got the workshop thursday august 13th uh, you're going to learn why we are value investors. What are we doing? Why do we like value investing? Chase and I talked a little bit about that this morning. We go a lot more into the workshop. Um, also, to the key to successful long-term investing. How do you look at long-term investing? Actually, I'm talking more about this uh, tomorrow also, too, on uh, KSI at uh, 840. Uh, things that people mess up as, as far as performance numbers. They get them all messed up, and that can throw you off. And, two, we're going to share with you our investment philosophy, uh, investment philosophy, exactly how we invest and manage our money at Wilson Asset Management. We go over many different things to make you a smarter investor. It is free. It is not a workshop. It is now a webinar because we can't have more than, what, 12 people in a room together. So we do the webinars. Hopefully soon in the next few months we can do a, a live workshop. We like doing it in person. But to help you understand investing through this crazy time, uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. It is available all day till midnight. It is free, but you need to sign up at our website, smartinvesting2000.com, and that's for the webinar Thursday, August 13th. All righty. Phone numbers again, 866-577-2473. 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vest Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, I've got an interesting uh, stock here, a local company, uh, QDEL, Quidel Corporation. They do testing and pharmaceutical uh, uh, test equipment. Okay, and do you hold that or looking to buy that? Well, I hold a little bit of it, but uh, I was thinking of, I know it's a, it's a wild horse, but uh, I was thinking about getting in a little bit deeper and, and maybe uh, just, you know, taking a little little ride on it and be ready to, to jump off if I have to, because okay. it might be a might be a wild ride. Uh, John, I got to ask you, you're a cowboy there? You got a lot of cowboy. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, the stock market is like a, riding a bucking bronco sometimes. So, the, yeah. You're right there. So, okay, well, uh, you know, it's funny. I, this is the company I'm thinking is, I, I think like 20 years ago, I think this stock, I remember in San Diego, it traded around $5 a share. So I'm kind of excited to kind of look at it. Uh, coming again is Cordell, uh, symbol QDEL. Uh, we do see a PE ratio very high, 137.9, but the industry has no PE ratio. That's, that's a, I'll say a slight positive. Uh, price of sales, 21 versus 10. 
Price to book value, very expensive, 93 versus 13.2. And price of cash flow is expensive as well, 84 compared to the industry at not material. Now, for those high valuations, I got to say you're not getting a whole lot because revenue has grown by 12.1% year over year for the last 12 months. Not much better than the industry at 10.7. Earnings for Cordell did climb by 34%. That is far better than the industry with a growth actually decline of 52%. I do like the uh, balance sheet here. We've got a current ratio 2.1 versus 3.8. Debt to equity 2 versus 48. So we got a very clean balance sheet. That's a big positive. Return to equity is 16.6 versus a negative 18.7. Net profit margin 15.7 versus a negative 25. So that's good. Uh, receivable turnover is 6.6 versus 4.9. And inventory turnover 3.5. Versus 2.2. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so I, I did kind of take a little closer look. And as you mentioned, John, it, it is a like diagnos diagnostic testing solution company. Um, i kind of surprised. I, I haven't really heard much about them. And obviously, testing is a, a big concern for our country right now with COVID. Uh, I'm not sure how uh, involved they are in that process, but that might be one reason they're just riding this wave here. Because if you look at the current price, $282.47. Near a 52-week high at $287.88 and way off that 52-week low of $52.49. So I don't know if there's just a lot of hope and hype that maybe they can get something done for COVID testing. Uh, but if that doesn't come to fruition, the stock could just drop like a rock here. Uh, looking forward, though, to December 2021, I am happy to see they do have estimated earnings per share of $7.25 on a gap basis. Unfortunately, if I take a 16.2 multiple for that, we get a target sell price of $117.45. So this stock is just skyrocketed, but it, it's it's definitely pricey. I, I would leave it at that for sure. And, and Chase and John, the other thing I noticed too when I looked at it going out to, because we, we go out to what, December 21? <clears throat> oh, wow. Yeah, you, you go out to December 22, the earnings dropped down to $3 a share. So this is kind of like a one, well, one-trick pony. I'll use the, the analogy of that, that they've got this because of COVID. But what about when COVID is gone in 2021, 2022, this company may pull back. So, I, I, I you know, I, I think that the, the best part of this company is over. Uh, not to say it won't go higher, but it just is way too expensive for us to go with. All right, John? Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Appreciate your help. All right. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. I was going to say, too, it is interesting. When you look at a lot of these companies that have benefited from COVID, I, there's no way we're going to continue to need just elevated testing through the next 10 years. I, I just don't see how this persists beyond that. I mean, I don't see how our country just continues to need that much testing and that much treat and that much vaccine. That's true. Where, you know, as things decline, you're going to see more companies like this that have pulled forward a lot of demand in th this year and next year. And then their earnings and sales could just fall off because all of a sudden, oh, yeah, let's go back out into the real world. Oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> you know, there's going to be some big, big problems. And these people that have done very well, it's like the dot-com issue that we brought yeah. up. Oh, it's dot-com, buy it. Oh, it's COVID, buy it. Now, it's part of normalcy. We return to that. Oh, gosh, and not good for the stock. And, and this is why people hate the stock market because it's, it's so risky. And as the stock market is not risky. You make it risky by doing things like that, by betting on things that are going to happen as opposed to looking at, hey, I'm buying a business here. I'm going to buy a good quality business with a good price. And that's how you make money longer term in the stock market, not getting into the hype of, oh, well, this is a COVID company. They got testing and so forth. That's usually when you end up losing money long term. Phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866 577 
888-242-2473. Listen up to Oceanside and speak with Don. Don, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yes, good morning. Um, the stock I would like to have you analyze is Snap-on Tools. Do you hold that in your portfolio or looking to buy it? Yeah, I do hold it, yes. Okay. Do you use the tools? Uh, <laughs> I have a few of those. I, I have more Craftsman, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. And, and Craftsman used to be from Sears. I was wondering what happened with that because I know they had a lifetime guarantee. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. Uh, I'm not getting that pulled up for some reason. Did we have the symbol right? S-A-N? S-N-A. Oh, S-N-A. Oh, S-N-A. Oh, okay. okay. No, no you, sorry. You, yeah. you had it right. I had it right. And, oh, uh, I did it right. Did yeah. you, do you, is it coming up for you? Yeah. All right. You, you know what? You're you, you using uh, Chrome, right? Yeah. I'm using Internet Explorer, and I think it doesn't Maybe just try it. and refresh it, change the company. But I'll, I'll yeah. get going here yeah, on the yeah, numbers then. Yeah. Uh, so let's take a look, look at Snap-on Inc. Again, ticker symbol is SNA, or at least that's what I have as it jotted down here, and it popped up for me. So we'll go with that. But current price to earnings multiple for Snap-on 14.07, very strange industry is at 6,376. So something strange with the industry there. Looking at current price to sales, 2.1 above the industry average of 0.8. Current price to cash flow is 11.56, also above the industry at 7.98. And uh, current price to tangible book value at 3.42 compares well against an industry that's not material. Looking at a dividend, you do get a, about a 3% dividend. It's 2.96%. They only use 39% of their earnings to pay that out. So I, I like that. Uh, that. That is a, a positive for the company here. Looking at sales and earnings growth, surprised by this. Earning, or excuse me, sales are down 7% over the last 12 months, and earnings have fallen 16%. I thought they would have benefited here from people being at home, maybe doing some more work on the garage in the garage or doing some work at home. I, I thought tools would be on fire just as maybe an additional hobby people are looking at <laughs> yeah and i think they sell a lot to professional garages and and i think they're doing pretty well i thought yeah i, I i'm not sure so definitely want to understand why sales and earnings did did decline there looking at the financial strength of the business uh, current ratio is 3.34 so plenty of liquidity total debt to equity is 41.89 so a very very clean balance sheet i like to see that for snap on Return on capital is 12. That's a strong number. And return on equity at 16.93 also looks good. Looking at the profit margin, 15.68%. Compares against the industry average of 0.01. Uh, very good profit margin for Snap-on. And then receivable turnover is 6.05. Slightly below the industry is 7.05. But I'm okay with that. And inventory turnover at 2.33 is below the industry average at 4.3. The industry that they're into, I was kind of curious. It, it looks like they're in industrial machinery and equipment. Uh, so I am curious, as you said, how much of it is more related to consumers versus actually big kind of firms that they're selling to? I would want to understand that breakdown. Still having issues over there? Yeah, yeah. You got to do the whole thing. And, and it's <laughs> funny. I went on to uh, the next caller. I know what he asked for, so I checked that out. That works. So I think Internet Explorer. Now, what's a big company that was Internet Explorer that's not doing very well? Go, go oh. ahead. Well, <laughs> well, anyways, Don, I do have the uh, the rest of it here for you. Uh, the current price for Snap-on is $148, or excuse me, $145.87. 52-week highs, $172.61, and 52-week lows, $90.72. Now, if I look out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $10.85. Would give us a target sell price, $175.77. So that looks pretty good based off the forward estimate. 
I like the name of the business. I, I know it's got a good brand name. I like the balance sheet. There's a lot of positives here. The only thing that I'm just confused on is the, the sales decline and earnings decline. But I, overall, I'd say the picture looks pretty good for Snap-on. There you go, Don. Okay. All right. Thanks Thank for you. calling. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. Yeah. You know, our last uh, studio, the, when we tried Internet Explorer, we had problems with it, and it was working fine. Um, but why I didn't get Snap? I it just wouldn't do it. Uh, I, I put it in, I, I tried three, four times. Then I went to the next caller. I went to, I, I used IBM, not that the next caller, but it works fine. So there's some with the Internet Explorer that just doesn't like certain things. So, I guess, but yeah. I, sorry to go back to Snap-on. Sure. I, 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 I like that company. Um, do I, you really? I, yeah, I, I do. I, I think tools, it's going to be, you know, a, a necessary thing for a while. You know, right. people always need tools. <laughs> yeah, we need uh, tools, yeah. I don't need them because I don't know how to fix anything, but somebody I needs to, to you, teach you that growing up, but you wouldn't pay attention. You weren't very good either <laughs> was the problem. Hey, don't tell people that. <laughs> but the thing is, people still need tools to fix whatever. So, you, you know, people still need the tools to come help people fix things. So I like the business. It, it was about 21% away from its target sell price. So it would put in the hold category for it, but I loved how clean the balance sheet was. I, I, I think it's an interesting one to definitely keep an eye on, especially I, I'm quite confident we're going to continue to have volatility in the market here, especially with the unemployment drama that we're having yeah, in Congress. Yeah. So uh, it, it's one that I, I, I think I'm going to keep an eye on. Okay. Yeah. And I had to apologize. I was trying to work, get my computer working here, so I didn't hear the numbers. So I'm relying <laughs> you just on that. Sorry. So tell the truth what's going on. Phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. And before we go to the next call, I do want to talk about the uh, workshop coming up. It's actually the webinar coming up on Thursday, August sixteenth. You're going to learn why we are value investors, uh, the key to successful long-term investing, and we're going to go really deep into our investment philosophy. So when you hear the show, like, okay, I, I kind of understand what they're saying. The webinar kind of pulls it all together for you. Plus, it shows you what we do for our clients, how we manage our portfolio, our personal portfolio, which is managed the same way as our client's portfolio. So we'll show you that as well. So it is free. It is Thursday, August 13th, uh, available all day. It is a webinar till midnight, uh, but you need to go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And the phone number is here, 866-577-2473. Get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, formal opinion, about what you want to talk about. Right now, let's go to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hi, guys. The stock I'm looking at is Boeing. I haven't heard of them. No. Yeah, who's that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do, do, do you, uh, I, was, I was kind of surprised from you, John, to hear that one. But do you hold it or looking at buying it? <laughs> you know, I've held it in the past. I don't hold it right now. But, you know, as the stocks come down um, precipitously with the um, the COVID mess and um just wondering if there might be some value there okay we'll, we'll take a look at it. i remember how excited people were a few months ago when it was at 400 dollars a share like oh this is a great buy. all the people on tv talking about oh boeing's this and boeing's that same people saying that valuation ratios don't matter and the you know crazy <laughs> so, so we're gonna look at the, the the boeing here for you uh again company is boeing company symbol ba no pe ratio versus 38 for the industry they have no earnings over the last 12 months uh, price of sales, 1.3 versus 1.5. That's okay. Uh, no price to book value, no price of cash flow. Now, I do see, I'm not sure when they released earnings. I see these are for June 30th. Perhaps 
the balance sheet is not released. We'll can tell that more as we go a little bit further here. They no longer pay a dividend. Uh, their sales year over year are down 29.2%, industry down 0.6%. Earnings per share fell by 160% when the industry down 55 Yeah, I do believe there's not a balance sheet released uh, at this point in time, but current ratio shows 1.4. There's nothing there for debt to equity. I'm, I, I, I know from looking at this before that they're way over leveraged. Uh, no return on equity. Net profit margin, a negative 4.2 versus a positive 3.8. Uh, receivable turnover, 5.6 versus 4.6. That's the only positive I've seen. I love this inventory number, 0.8 versus 2.5. So not doing very much in turn of the inventory. They're still having so many problems. Let's talk about more about, about that. But Chase, uh, tell us the numbers going forward. All right, we'll have a discussion after I look at yeah. the numbers then. But current price here, $158. 52-week high, $391. And that 52-week low, $89 a share. I look out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $7.32 would give us a target sell price of $118.58. So I still think the Boeing name is kind of carrying mm-hmm. the stock above where it should be, um, just based off the valuations. And that's what they do have defense, you know, so that they're yeah, coming yeah. off the def- defense side, but the commercial airlines, and again, who, what airline is going to be ordering planes anytime in the next uh, 12 to 24 months? I don't think very many at all. I mean, yeah, I think Boeing said maybe the back half of this year, 2021, they're looking at things to pick up a little bit. I just don't see that yeah, happening yeah. because, I mean, these these airlines are trying to survive right now and the air traffic's still down, what, like 70, 80 percent, I believe. So I don't think they're looking at buying new airplanes anytime soon, as you said. And also, if we do go to December 2022, there's there's 16 for December 2021 and 12 for 2022. But even the 12 come up with $10 a share. That can change things a little bit. But it's still not much above the price of where you're at now. So it needs to pull back a little bit more, or you're going to take a, a gamble here, John, to to get at a price maybe a little bit higher. But it's it's definitely not a great buy, but things can change. All righty. Okay. Got it, guys. Thanks. All right. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. I I did want to talk a little bit about Boeing, too, is, you know, the interesting thing is, I mean, you still see companies canceling their orders for yeah. the 737 MAX. And also, I think the, the 787 Dreamliner as well has been kind of seeing a little pressure as companies just don't have any capital CapEx they're looking at spending right now. And it's funny with the whole COVID thing. I don't want to say funny, but it's interesting with the whole COVID thing that all of a sudden the 737 MAX, I don't even know what the schedule is right now for trying to get it approved. I know that they had made some progress in that, but I, I still don't have a time frame of when that 737 MAX could be approved. And I don't hear the talk about when it's going to be approved either any longer. It's not on the uh, on the forefront any longer. It's more about can they survive? What are they doing? Uh, I did hear more talk about the defensive side, that they're making money there. But the, the max, I've not heard much talk about that at all. So yeah. um, it, it's just one that I would like to say, yeah, because I, I think Boeing is, is going to survive. I do not like their CEO, though. I do not like what he said about the government when he said, the government said, well, we'll, we'll loan you money, but we, we probably want part of the company. No, I don't need you. And he went out and bought what, or borrowed $40 billion. Um, I think he's a little bit too, I, I don't know what the word is, um, cocky, I guess I'll say. Uh, and it just worries me that he's not trying to negotiate because the government does have some good deals. Yeah, okay, so you get a little bit of com- the company, but far better than keep borrowing because he may have to borrow again. 
and that could hurt them five years yes. down the road. Yes, and it, and that's my thought. I'm not looking at you know next week or next month, but five years down the road because what he did now, he should have taken some help from the government, and everybody else is. So why why not Boeing? Um, and yeah, you give up some of the com- company, but you'll do very well going forward five years down the road. And it's acceptable. I, I don't want to say. It's more understanding to take it now, but if you take on all this debt in five years, you can't repay that debt, you're not going to get a bailout at no, that point. No, true, true. So watch what a business does because it, it can do the wrong things and it won't hurt you now, but it could hurt you down the road years to come. All right, phone numbers again, 866-577-2473. Let's head up to Escondido and speak with Paul. Paul, you're in the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, AIG. Okay. Did you hold that or looking to buy that? Oh, possibly uh, looking to buy it. They they took uh, money from the government, I believe, a couple of years ago. Yeah, actually, in the financial crisis, they took a lot of money from the government because they were really over leveraged. Uh, They took money from the government. I I don't know the full details. I I see they're still around now. I don't believe they filed bankruptcy. I believe because they took money from the government. uh, And a lot of companies like General Motors, AIG, I'm pretty sure they all paid it back. And now, well, let's see where they're at today. See if it's a good buy today. Coming again is uh, American International Group, also known as AIG. Great start here. P.E. ratio 6.5 versus 17.2. Price to sales 0.5 versus 1.1. Price to tangible book value is only 0.5, about a third of the industry at 1.5. And price to cash flow is 2.6 versus seven for the industry. Now, I do say they pay a nice dividend here of 4%, only use 25% of the earnings to pay that out. We do see sales are up 7.1% year over year above the industry at 5.9. Wow, earnings per share up 1,700%. Industry is up 103, so this is a big positive here. We do see that the debt to equity for AIG is 58 versus 32. Uh, no current ratio because they're an insurance company, have different accounting system. We do see return on equity is 7.3, same as the industry. Net profit margin, 9.3 versus seven. And no receivable or inventory turnover. Chase, how about the earnings going forward? Yeah, well, current price here for AIG is thirty-two dollars fourteen cents. Has fallen from that fifty-two week high of fifty-eight dollars and sixty-six cents, and it's also well off the fifty-two week low of sixteen dollars and seven cents. Now, if I look out to December two thousand twenty-one, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis four dollars and fifty-one cents. That does give us an attractive target sell price of seventy-three dollars and six cents. So, based off the valuations, that's a positive. And, and I would say. I don't want to say I like this company. I like the numbers because I don't understand what they do. I know they're an insurance company, but I, I don't know who they insure, what they do. I believe they do big insurance contracts. Before I'd say I like this company, I'd want to understand their business because the numbers look very good. But you got to understand what the business does so you don't get caught you know, blindsided like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. So worth the research here, uh, Paul, but you got to understand what they do. You know, read it, read the read the 10Q, read their their last conference call to understand what are they doing, what are their plans going forward. Uh, you could have a winner here. Yeah, yeah. Already? Okay, thank you. Trouble is, all the, the negative interest rates are around the corner, and all these finance companies. What the heck's going to happen to them? I don't know. Well, and, and that's why I say because I'm they're an insurance company, and, and that's why I'm saying. I mean, they, they could be different because I'm, what, what's going to happen is what they're insuring. Uh, and I, I just believe they were a big insurance. They're, they're not like an all state where they insure, you know, the, you know, everybody's cars and homes. I, that's what I mean. I don't understand what they do. And that's why I tell people all the time before we buy anything, it's 10, 15, 20 hours, 20 hours of research to really understand what is their business? Because you're right. Interest rates are, are not going to skyrocket tomorrow. 
but it may not affect them because based on their business. So understand the business and maybe we'll buy it someday if we like it. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you. All right, Paul. Thanks Thank for you. calling. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line. 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Let's head out to Clovis. I've never heard that. Clovis. Clovis. Dan, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yes, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. We are just, uh, what, east of Fresno. Oh, there we go. Good, there's a good good high school wrestling program up in Clovis, right? You know? Oh, yes. They have, uh, and I'm fairly new to the area, but okay. it, Clovis is night and day for Fresno. Just what a, what a city. So, I mean, if you like Central Valley. Yeah. I, I was just curious. Yeah, I went to a, a good wrestling high school down here in Poway. So I, I, I had a couple of friends who were wrestlers, and Clovis just sounds super familiar. I wasn't exactly sure where it was. But, anyways, let's talk yep. finance, not wrestling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you for taking my call. I wanted to talk PG&E, PCG, and see uh, what your take is on their stock and where you might see them in a year or two. Okay. In terms of uh, stock price. And it's kind of funny. Chase and I talked about this last week, so we'll have some comments on this as well. Uh, one, one thing I did want to ask, too, like, you're from Clovis, so how'd you hear about the Smart Investing Show? From your Facebook page. Oh, very cool. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Facebook, so. Before we came on air today, we were talking about doing Facebook Live on the radio show, so you could hear it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we, we might do that. So, all righty, let's take a look at the PG&E Corporation, symbol PCG. Uh, their P-E ratio, not material, versus 34.5. Price to sales, one. That's better than the industry at 2.3. Price to book value, 5.1 versus 2.5. No price to cash flow. We do see no dividend at this point in time. Uh, we see sales uh, were up 9.7% year over year, industry down 1.1. Earnings per share, 22 versus the industry at 33. Now, here's the big problem. Current ratio is 0.55 versus 0.7. Debt to equity, 1,061 versus 134 for the utility industry. So their debt for the equity, and usually utilities are pretty high anyways, but they're way, way above that. We'll talk more about this after we get to the end here with some comments we've we discovered on PG&E. Return on equity, a negative 98 versus a positive 5.8. Net profit margin, a negative 38 versus a positive 6.7. Inventory turnover, 19.8 versus 3.8. And receivable turnover is 13.5 versus 7. And Chase, I'm very curious what they're going to come out with for the earnings here. Yeah, well, current price for PG&E is $9.35. 52-week high, $19.18. And 52-week low, $3.55. Now, I look at December 2021. The number looks great here. Estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $1.21. Would take us right near that old 50-week high as the target sell price is $19.60. So the return looks great, but I, I just, I'm concerned about that debt. And yeah. we, we read in uh, Barron's actually talking about this, this situation with PG&E. And I believe even after exiting bankruptcy, they still have $40 billion worth of debt that they have to pay off. And there's a lot, Almost. Of, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of questions on that too, because there's some state fund or something that they had, and 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 we started looking at because I thought this could be pretty good because you like a utility because they they have like a guaranteed business, but the debt kind of worried us how they're paying that back. We we decided no, we're not going to look at this, and I think as far as the dividend goes, they had to get something else satisfied. Uh, this is not the normal business coming out of bankruptcy. I was disappointed what I saw. Uh, so we said, no, we're not going to look at it. Yeah, it was interesting. There's a, a fire liability fund, essentially, but all the, like, you know, Sempra and Edison, they, they can also tap tap that fund. And, and when it runs out of money, there, there's no 
guarantee on on where that's going to come from. So we know living here in California, fire risk is is quite high. Uh, so if we did go through another crisis, I don't know how these utilities could get through it. I mean, it, it's 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 this problem that kind of has to get figured out on the liability side, and and it's an unfortunate yeah. thing about having one business that's tied just to one area, especially with that heightened risk. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, their 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 uh, fire premiums are now up to seven hundred and fifty million dollars. Yep. Yeah. Another expense there for him. So yeah, I yeah. I, I, w- I was kind of excited when I saw on Barron's like, oh well, let me look at this a little bit more. The more I looked, the, the less I liked it because I was hoping to find a company with a clean balance sheet, uh, very low liabilities. But that's not the case with PG&E. They they could have problems down the road two years again. So I'd say wait. Uh, Sorry, Dan. Wait. Uh, yeah. No, I bought it about five dollars on a basis price, and uh, I, you know I'm hoping holding it a few years, I'll at least make something out of it. Okay. Well, you, you say you bought it at five dollars a share. Okay. Uh, roughly. Okay. Yeah. Well, because now they're what nine thirty five. Yeah. So, nine, so you, nine something. Yeah. So you, you got a nice profit now. Yeah, but we're we're hoping to see those uh, twenty dollar. Oh, okay. Twenty dollar <laughs> numbers. Depends how much you it know. makes up in your portfolio, I guess. I, I gotta say, yeah. Dan, be careful getting greedy there. You got a good profit, and who knows what's gonna go forward. So <laughs> be yeah, careful. No, I, I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Okay, Dan. Thanks that for calling. Information. No, you're welcome. Take, Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. I think uh, who was next was uh, Ricardo, I believe, in Spring Valley. Let's go to Ricardo in Spring Valley. Ricardo, you're on the Smart Invest Show with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Ricardo, you there? There he is. I'm here. Yeah. You're on the Smart Investing Show with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, um, I I took a little gamble, not a lot. I bought some st- Fannie Mae stocks uh-huh. on um, over the counter. Okay. And uh, I know it's owned by the government. I'm just trying to figure out if I should hold on to it and see what happens if they release it, or we should just cash out and uh, do something else. Well, let's see. We're going to help you out here and look at some numbers here on Federal National Mortgage Association, also known as Fannie Mae, FNMA. Uh, bad start here, Ricardo. A PE ratio is 85 versus 12.2. Price of sales, wow, 0.02 versus 1.31. You're not paying much at all for those sales. Even the book value looks kind of crazy as well. 0.16 versus 1.71. So it means you're paying 16 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of Fannie Mae. Uh, we do see sales are down 0.2%, industry up 1.1%. Earnings per share did climb by 121% when the initial was down 38. Here's the crazy thing, and now I'm looking at this, I remember with Fannie Mae how crazy it was, because again, they're a mortgage company and so forth. Debt to equity, 25,000 versus 235. They do not have much equity at all, but a lot of debt because of what they do. And again, it's a financial company, so accounting is a little bit different. Uh, no return on equity. Net profit margin looks pretty respectable. 10.3 versus 10.9, and no receivable or inventory turnover. Chase, you have anything on the earnings over there? Yeah, we're well, looking at the current price first. Dollar ninety-seven cents, fifty-two week high, four dollars and twenty-three cents, and fifty-two week low, one dollar and twenty-six cents. I look out to December two thousand twenty-one. Unfortunately, there's no estimate for earnings per share. Well, there's an estimate for earnings per share, but it's zero dollars. So can't get a, <laughs> a target sell price for it, Ricardo. Um, you, you know the, the way you kind of started the call. It is interesting. It sounds like more you're you're almost ready to go to Vegas here and, and gamble on on Fannie Mae. I mean, if that's the attitude you have with it. 
you know, maybe take the risk depending on how much you have in it. It's like, oh, it's a, it's a gamble here. Maybe it goes back to 423. You get a huge profit. But from an investment standpoint, if it makes up a large percentage of your portfolio, uh, a substantial amount, I, I should say, um, you know, I would definitely have to take more time to research this because it is just so different than a, a normal, like, uh, just retail business or a food business or something. It's it's a lot more unique that you would really have to understand the accounting and so forth behind it. And, and Ricardo, I think the big allure here is for a lot of people is like, well, it's government owned. It can't go under. Uh, it, it can go under because they can decapitalize it, we'll call it. And still the government still, you know, they're backing the mortgages, but they're not backing the company. So that that's the thing there. And I really, be honest with you, I really cannot understand this company, how they're doing things. And I tell people, if I can't understand something, I'm going to move along and find something I can't understand because when you don't understand something many times, I'm like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I lost all my money in that. So be careful. Yeah, this one, it's just my, it's my long shot. This is like 5% of my portfolio. Just, um, you know, I'm keeping a little hope that maybe this can be a home run. I don't have too much in there, but if they do, if the government does release it, hopefully I can Twenty dollars a share. I bought in at like uh, seventy nine cents a share. Oh. I have maybe like two two grand in there. So, well, that's pretty good. Then, do you have a target sell price you're looking at selling it at? You know, honestly, once they release it, anything above like what you're saying. Anything above four ten dollars, I'm fine. I'll just okay. take my money and run. <laughs> right. Well, at least you have that because sometimes and and, and put that in writing because what a lot of people do is that it goes up to that level and then they push it up higher and then it goes up and they push it up higher and then eventually it falls back down. They said, oh, I should have sold at this price. So pick a target sell price and we tell people this all the time. We will generally sell something too early. I'd rather sell too early than sell too late because on the other hand, you hear people say, yeah, I wrote it all the way up and then all the way back down again. So pick a price. Be happy with the profit, move on, do something else, because you will not get the absolute top. It's very dangerous to try that, because generally, you never sell. So, all righty. All righty. Thank you very much for the uh, information. All right, Ricardo. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, it is funny. Uh, I kind of, when you're speaking to Ricardo, just how it's a, more of a gamble, it sounds like, for him. It's like when yes. you go to the blackjack table, and you're playing blackjack, and you're up, you know, $1,000. It's like, I'm going to go up $2,000, and then you lose all your money. It's like, I knew I should have left. <laughs> Wait, that, that's the issue with gambling. And, and mm -hmm. you can make stocks into a gamble. Big, big difference. We always wanted to decipher between investing and gambling. And and that is more of a gamble. And if you look at it from that point of view, set a target sell price and, and take yeah. your take your winnings because it's not really investing at that point. Right, right. It, it is speculation, which which is fine to do if you understand the rules of the game. And and that is one thing we are going to talk about at the, the webinar on Thursday, August 13th. We have this very nice section, this part that we go over, called 19 Thoughts to Happy Trading. And we discuss how you get tied into this and you never make a profit and how you lose money, all the justifications. We do this a lot for people and say, yeah. That's exactly what happened to me. So you want to understand that before you do it. Uh, we are going to show you uh, our investment philosophy, uh, philosophy, uh, how we manage money, how we invest. And again, our money, by the way, my money, Chase's money, is invested right alongside our clients' money. And that's what we show you how we do things in the webinar. It is free. It is Thursday, August 13th. Uh, sign up at our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Available all day till midnight. Free of charge. Again, smartinvesting2000.com. I promise you'll become a smarter investor. All right, let's head out to Santee and speak with Bill. Bill, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent and Chase. How can we help you? 
Hey, guys. Uh, I've been uh, looking at this one uh, company. It's called Organogenesis, and I'm just looking to see to, to maybe buy. I was hoping you can give me a rundown of them. Okay. So let's take a look at uh, Organogenesis Holdings Incorporated. Symbol is O-R-G-O. Uh, not a good start here, Bill. I mean, no P.E. ratio. Uh, price to sales, 1.47 versus 10. That That is good. Uh, but no price to book value, no price to cash flow. The earnings are for th- March 31st, so they haven't reported new earnings yet. Sometimes that would be why we have less uh, information because they haven't released the financial statements yet. But here their, their earnings are still as of March 31st. Uh, no dividend. Uh, we do see a sales growth of 6% year over year below the industry at 107 uh, earnings per share does look good, 61. Industry was a negative 52. Current ratio, 2 versus 3.8. That is good. What is not good is debt to equity is 273 versus 48. Return equity is a negative 115 uh, versus a negative 18 for the industry. Uh, no net profit margin. Uh, actually, it's a negative 15.4 versus a negative 26. And receivable turnover is 8.1, double the industry at 4.9, inventory turnover 3.5, slightly better than the, the uh, industry at 2.2. Are there any earnings of this company? I, I bet there's probably not. Well, I kind of took a look at what the company does, just out of curiosity. <clears throat> it says it's a regenerative medicine company focusing on the development, manufacturing, and commercialization of solutions for the advanced wound care and surgical and sports medicine markets, primarily in the United States. So uh, it seems like they don't have too many products out there, but they, they still do do anticipate having revenue and they did have revenue in 2019 so they're selling something here yeah but uh current price is three dollars 68 cents 52 week high eight dollars and 34 cents and 52 week lows two dollars and 47 cents unfortunately this is one of those other speculative companies i mean just not making money next year they're estimated to lose 52 cents on a gap basis so i mean this is again one of those potential companies that, that could hit big. I mean, that's what happens in the pharmaceutical space. I mean, you could have these big winners, but the pharmaceutical space, you also see a lot of companies that just fold because their their drugs are no longer relevant if they're too small. Yeah, and, and Bill, if you're going to invest in a company like this, you really have to understand what the product is because they're, they're, it's not a business making money yet. Very few sales, as Chase said. Uh, but if you're going to speculate on something like this, you want to read all you can about whatever their product is. It, you said it was a drug chase? Or you that was, yeah, regenerative. Okay, so yeah, some type of drug. So you understand and you want to follow what's going on with that. I mean, are they, they passing you know, these tests and so forth? And is there, what's the competition like? So you, you got to spend a lot of time really reading and understand what this company does because you're not buying it based on the earnings. There are no earnings going forward, but it could hit if this drug does well. I mean, the stock could go from, what, $3 a share up to maybe $30 a share. But you got to spend some time really reading and understanding the company. All righty. Oh, we lost Bill. Okay. All right. Well, well so hopefully that helped do. Bill. Yeah, yeah. I hope that helped Bill. And, and again, it's something that you have to kind of do is, is kind of look at, you know, and again, not just that company, but other companies as well. And even when you know a company, like, like we've bought some very well-known companies, you want to do the research to really understand those businesses. Absolutely. All right. Well, there's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as an investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858 
646-436-4306 and visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information along with investment tips, go to our Facebook group page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by entertainer, local entertainer, Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. And may I say, not in a shop. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.